0: Welcome to Soundtrack
1: Your Life, a podcast about soundtracks, music, and movies. Each episode features a guest and focuses on a specific soundtrack and the personal stories connected to it. Now here's your host, Ryan Pat.
2: I was floored that neither Netflix nor Hulu, at least in the US, have it like on their regular like subscription plan thing or whatever.
3: Like for Hulu, you have to like have Hulu Live
0: hey, or rent on it
3: on from Oh, it's product.
2: on Netflix! It's
4: on
3: Netflix up here. Really? Wow! You you guys really do have everything.
1: Yeah, you guys just <laughs> got to come up to Canada to get your Love Actually on, I guess.
3: I just want universal health care <laughs>
1: and Love Actually for free. <laughs> What more is there,
4: really?
0: (laughs) So this is Soundtrack Your Life. I'm Ryan Pack, and this is a soundtrack podcast where I talk to someone about a soundtrack that they have a connection to. This is our season two finale, and it's also our holiday episode. We're talking about the 2003 Richard Curtis film, Love Actually. Today we have my co-hosts, Brandis Wilson and Nicole Barlow, as well as Austin and Jen from the podcast, I Hate Your Taste in Movies.
4: Hello. Hi. Hi.
0: So we've had Austin on before, so we'd like to welcome Jen to the podcast. Jen, what is I Hate Your Taste in Movies about?
1: So myself, Austin, and our third friend, Jackie, who could not make it today, we all just watch each other's favorite movies and usually judge them because it's Coincidentally, we all just happen to have very different tastes, like Austin's a big musical theater fan, Jackie's a huge action movie person, I love horror, there's just not a lot of overlap in what we're into, so we're trying to help each other explore their horizons by showing them the things we like, but it just never goes well.
3: <laughs> that sounds a lot like this podcast, <laughs> if you're to fit right in.
2: Yeah, so it's all the four of you talking about how you hate my taste in movies, because I'm the only person um, on this podcast right now who like doesn't hate Love Actually. I'm <laughs> so that is how you feel.
1: I'm middle week. ground. I do not hate Love Actually. So I will help you out. I will back you up. You'll be my human shield. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, and Austin, sorry for your loss of Mr. Sondheim.
3: Oh, thank you. Oh, that was sad. Well, it's, it's all about ensembles today. I feel like we have enough people here to cover all of the different overlapping storylines. <laughs> but actually we can each take one.
0: <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. So this movie starts with Bill Nye in a studio. Is it Nye or is it Nye? Nye, Nye. Bill Ny's in a studio recording Christmas is all around, which is not a parody, but an updated version of the Trogs' Love is All Around for some reason.
2: Because it's amazing. That's the only, like, redeeming song on this soundtrack. I, <laughs> they, I will say. actually used his version, him singing Christmas is All Around on the soundtrack. I, like, opened it up and I was like, if it's not there, like, I am, like, blackballing this movie. And it was, <laughs> I was, like, so happy. And I'm like, can we get, like, the extended version and a remix? <laughs>
0: So I actually like the original version of the song. The original version was by the Trogs, and then REM did a version in the early nineties. And it's the one like REM song where Michael Stipe isn't the lead singer on it. <laughs> so that's how I always think of this song. It's also on the I Shot Andy Warhol soundtrack, which is like one of my favorite soundtracks. So to see it as an updated Christmas song, like I know it's supposed to be bad and kind of funny, but I'm already like strike one against this movie. <laughs>
3: I didn't know that you were so precious about this particular song right that's the whole point is that it's bad and it's funny yeah (laughs) yeah sorry that this song of song choice offends you Ryan
1: and I like how because it is kind of a thing in the UK to have like a Christmas number one single so a lot of people do just put out like Christmas albums on mass just to try to make money and get that number one or whatever so I like how they're kind of just playing the nod to that by taking an actual song and being like, let's just make it a shitty Christmas single. And then it actually is like a hit. Everyone loves this song
3: except for you. It's one, right. <laughs> Ryan, you're the only one. You are the Grinch in this scenario. You are.
0: I'm fine with that.
3: This soundtrack went platinum in like multiple
2: places. And I have to believe that it's because of that one song.
1: Or Kelly Clarkson. It was Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, it was Kelly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I like to get lost in a movie and immediately with this film, I'm like, why are they doing this song?
3: <laughs> that is the least of my complaints about this movie. Is right? the, it's the least of its problems, but <laughs> its the least sure. part of the movie, <laughs> yeah, it really is like, I love actually that he is. I love actually. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. But that is my favorite thread in the movie because it's sort of cynical and not saccharine. Right. So at least yeah. there's that, there's that uh, Bill Nye kind of, you know, deflating the whole whatever idyllic version or idea of what Christmas is supposed to be. And like you said, it's super distinctly British because this is totally something that would happen in the UK. It feels kind of real on that level.
2: I also just love Bill Nye's like grinchiness about it too. Like he does that so beautifully that it's so much fun watching him, which mm-hmm. is why it's fun hearing him like sing the song because it just like calls that back of just like him pursing his lips and just being like super pissed off about it.
3: Yeah, yeah. again, a different movie. If there was an expansion of just the Bill Nye parts of this movie, you know, maybe there would be something there for me to like, but there's a rapid decline. <laughs> just a steep
0: downhill.
3: It's true. It starts at a high point and then just... yeah keep... draws you in. You're like, oh, this could be fun. This could be a romp. Nah.
0: Now, for me, it just starts bad and just gets worse.
3: <laughs> As an
2: ensemble film, like, I think this is probably one of the most ambitious in terms of, like, the most storylines. And I know that that's also, like, a pain point for a lot of people. And I'm not saying that it was a good choice to have that many. But I am impressed at how well they did manage to pull off that many different storylines. Like, they do weave them together, like mostly and you do kind of you do like know who the people are you get like connected or like you know even if you're like pissed off and hate everyone you're still like connected to these characters (laughs) and it's like if you go on like you know the list of like wikipedia has like all the different like plot lines like it takes up a lot of real estate so like love it or hate it i'm like impressed that they are able to like keep that much continuity like
3: throughout
0: and it launched a bunch of other terrible knockoffs, like Valentine's Day and oh, New Year's Eve. god, well.
3: yeah, oh, that's so true, Ryan. It did. It did
2: kind of like start its own like subgenre.
0: So there's also hate for that. <laughs> it's it's the Garden State corollary. Which I...
3: <laughs> what has love actually wrought?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like this may not be the worst movie, but it spawned the worst movies so (laughs) I'm gonna hate it because of that
3: that's fair completely fair fair.
2: completely fair but they definitely did it a lot better than all of its progeny
3: yeah I I mean is the next song that you hear in the movie after Bill Nye you kind of kicking it off in this like fun way that does not set the tone appropriately for what you're gonna see next like the next scene is literally Liam Neeson at his wife's funeral playing the Bay City Rollers or at least it's, like, a couple scenes shy, right? It's, like, just this complete, like, what is happening?
2: It's a huge exposition for sure, because it's, like, very much, like... But I feel like that's the whole film, right? Because it's, like, these moments of, like, you're trying to be very, like, Christmassy and, like, cheerful and whatever, but you have, like, all of these, like, realities of, like, dragging you down of, like, the idealized version of a holiday and also the idealized version of, like, relationships, like... Me, personally, I know no one else agrees, but I think that's why, like, this movie works is because it is sort of showing the reality of, like, all these idealized things. I right? think you're
3: giving this movie <laughs> a lot of credit. I think you're giving it a lot of credit. And I think it's true for some of the the male characters in the movie are definitely, <laughs> like, I'm wrestling with my emotions. <laughs> and then I'm going to get a, like, hot foreign girl at the end that, you know, right? I'm yeah. like, looking at like facial expressions on (laughs) I I forgot about that (laughs) storyline it's such a bad one if I had to cut one it would definitely be the Colin Firth storyline oh it's so bad
1: if I'm cutting one I'm cutting the um the Martin Freeman like porn star one Oh, no, that one's hilarious. I think that oh, one's funny. If I, I just wanted to be the one going to America. Yeah, uh, oh, that yes, would be mine
2: as well. That one's bad, too. That
3: one's, oh, see, that's already three. We've cut three. <laughs> it's a much better movie exactly much better
2: no I love the porn star thing because it's just funny it's like they're not even the porn stars they're the stand-in for the porn stars also how high budget is this porn
1: (laughs) right I just feel like that (laughs) storyline doesn't go anywhere and that's why it always feels like a drag like it's sort of just like an like it's like someone had that funny idea of like stand-ins at a porn star and they're awkward and they fall in love but then that's it So like every time you cut back to them, it's just the same thing. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like there needs to be a conflict, a story, something.
3: What I don't understand is how they cast Martin Freeman in the role of like the body double porn star, like body double, like what Martin Freeman fetishist was like, you know who we got to get for this? Uh, That Martin Freeman. I mean, maybe it was (laughs) Hobbit porn. I don't know. It's always the average dude with the hot chick. So like, that's yeah. totally accurate. Well, in the universe of this movie, it, it definitely is. This-
2: in all movies, all of Hollywood, average dude, hot chick. That's like the story.
0: Of I like- just
3: My understanding was that they're like body doubles. So you're not seeing no. their faces, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, there's no offense to Martin Freeman, but I don't really think of him in the same category as like, body double like you typically want to pick somebody <laughs> that has you know maybe a better than average body <laughs> his whole brand is average it's a very bizarre storyline True. <laughs> i also
4: think like those three storylines like the guy going to america to meet women uh the porn star body doubles and then like colin firth falling in love with a foreign girl. Like, I feel like those are the most, like, tangential ones. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so it's like, why are they even needed? Like, they they just add on to this ridiculously long run, run time.
1: Yeah. Counterpoint. Okay. Counterpoint. The Colin Firth one needs to stay because when he shows up at the house on Christmas Eve and then is like, actually, I'm going to leave. And the kids get upset and go, I hate <laughs> Uncle Jamie. Is like the best part of the movie. <laughs> I hate you, Uncle Jamie. We can't cut her. She's an icon. No. Yeah, you can't cut
2: that part because of that. And then like the just in cases is like the one of the most iconic lines of like all time that like everyone knows where that comes from. Not saying that it's a good thing because definitely he does not deserve this woman. But it is one of the few like storylines that ends happily. So you also have to have it in there for it to like, I mean, ends happily. I'm using quotation marks for people who are listening. But you have to have that in there to, like, balance it out, right? And I think that's why they also have that, like, porn star, like, tangential storyline is because everyone else is so bold and loud and they're, like, the shy people who have this, like, very quiet love story that's unfolding mm-hmm. and those are meant to be balanced. Again, not saying it works. For better, for worse. We all agree that all of the women in this movie deserve way better than these so asshole guys. Much better. So much better. But they're supposedly... Those two storylines are, like, the two happy endings, right? <laughs>
3: Happy endings. Happy
2: endings with quotation marks. And I know. Uh, back, back
0: to the porn star body double story. Right, we're done with
2: that.
0: Isn't that just a premise that you bring up at like some cheesy improv show? Like, give me a situation. Porn right. star body double. <laughs> right.
1: Right.
0: So they took that and they're like, let's make a big budget romantic comedy. About this. You
1: think that was the starting point?
3: That was the first idea they had, and everything else came around that. Honestly, I think this writing team just sat around and they were, and I'm all for nudity, you know, free the nipples UK, (laughs) but there's a lot of gratuitous nudity in this movie, like Mm -hmm. female nudity in this movie. So I'm pretty sure the writers just sat around and they were like, how can we get more boobs? funny funny yeah. boobs yes. funny boobs you know comical boobs serious boobs we're gonna get all the types of boobs and they do and we
0: should say they're all fat girl boobs
3: oh my god <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs>
2: yeah let's circle back to that the uh the whole like the assistant whatever to um oh my god i just totally the prime minister uh, yes, yeah the prime minister being fat these uh these british people need to like really recalibrate their yeah. idea of human bodies like what it's the
4: same <laughs> thing that happens in like bridget jones's diary where what? you're just like yes. am i seeing the same thing Like I know no concept of what weight looks like on a woman
1: or like regardless i don't know it's just so frustrating yeah it's like yes. she's not a double zero therefore she's bad, yeah. and we need to harass her at work about it
3: right and it's brought constantly by (laughs) everyone by her own family and like this poor beautiful lovely woman character like it's just it's a little too much yeah yes it's meant to like somehow i don't know engender like sympathy and somehow like show that prime minister hugh grant is above such accusations and really sees her true heart but she's gorgeous
2: okay. but he doesn't because he says it despite i like he falls in love with her despite being fat <laughs> <laughs> Say that in the movie. how noble
0: of him
3: <laughs> yeah
2: because he says that to his like i don't know if she's like his other assistant but like the woman who's like always like been mm-hmm. with him like his like friend or whatever like yeah, he has it. a conversation with her and it's like it's very much like a despite thing or whatever well i so, like, hate it Yeah I hate it too like honestly I know it's one of the main like storylines and we all love it because it's funny because it's him versus like Billy Bob Thornton but honestly of all the ones that piss me off the most even more than Alan Rickman being an asshole Mm. that storyline pisses me off the most because the movie justifies the treatment of this woman not only being called fat but like making that like okay that he falls in love with her despite that too like it's a double like double like abuse on her.
4: Well, and on top of that, that's not to say anything about the, like, power dynamics of that relationship. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. he's the friggin' prime minister,
3: and he's, I don't know. And she works for him? Yeah. yeah. Not appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Not okay. Not okay. Yeah. I. But at the same time, I think that I would rather see Hugh Grant prance around to jump for your love mm-hmm. before I can ever not angrily sit through that freaking storyline with Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson.
2: That one, like Alan Rickman is the greatest uh, villain in this movie for sure. And he has like zero redeeming qualities, obviously, but it's also like one of the most grounded in reality storylines, right? Like the others are ridiculous and like not relatable, but unfortunately, so many people can relate to like infidelity. So I feel like that one, it's a horrible storyline, like in terms of how people are treated, but. It's very realistic, right, unfortunately. Who doesn't
3: love some betrayal and infidelity and heartbreak in Joni Mitchell at at Christmas, right? (laughs) Wrap that up for me. yeah. Wrap it up with a bow.
0: Is Joni Mitchell shorthand for, like, infidelity now?
3: (laughs) Pretty
2: much. It's like, it's like you get gossiping and it's like, she's been listening to a lot of Joni Mitchell. (laughs)
0: Because there's that movie, The Kids Are All Right, with Annette Benning.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. When they
0: find out that Juliet Moore's is it Julian Moore?
3: Yeah. She yeah. Keeps she's cheating on her.
0: Like, she just, yeah, she just starts bonding with Mark Ruffle about, like, about Joni Mitchell. That oh, is- you know, love <laughs> Joni Mitchell too? And then she goes in the bathroom and finds, like, Julian Moore's hair and is like, oh shit, she's cheating on me. So I feel like Joni Mitchell is just shorthand for, like, people fucking around now. <laughs>
3: greatest thing I've ever heard Ryan say on this
1: podcast. It is, hands down. That was that was gold. I also need that on a t-shirt. If your significant other has a Joni Mitchell CD, you gotta throw it out. That's a bad sign. The red flag. Yeah. If someone buys you Joni Mitchell, that's like huge red flag. Yeah. It's like, what <laughs> like, have you oh done? Oh no. <laughs> He's got blue.
3: The, the thing that's not realistic about this infidelity scenario is not, not necessarily the infidelity, but it's the way... Is this Christmas gift. Okay. So if all of this shit pivots on Joni Mitchell and her, like, whatever, probably 25 year obsession with Joni Mitchell, does he really think she doesn't have that CD? That's what I thought too. (laughs) People, like, does she not have this? She's listening to Joni Mitchell when they have a conversation about it. These two people have been married for, I'm just going to assume decades. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's the, a false assumption, but they've been together for a minute. They have kids. Mm-hmm. They're mature. Does he think she just discovered Joni Mitchell? No, they have a whole full blown conversation about how this is what taught her to like be emotional. And it's all about like her emotional education. And she's has this love affair with Joni Mitchell. And then he gets her one CD. It's not even a box set. It's not even deep cuts. <laughs> In my like head to like
2: hand wave like that. I was treating it as like it was like a new like sort of like remastering or like new like special edition or some sort of like thing that she wouldn't have. And so he was at least trying to be like thoughtful of like, I'm aware that you have this full collection, so I'm gonna get you this other thing. Obviously, I'm not saying that's redeeming quality on his part, but the fact that she would already have every single other like version or whatever, she'd have already had it.
3: Brandis, I watched this today. I it today to try to see if there's any kind of like, oh, is it like a, a yeah, a remaster? Is it an extended edition? Yeah. None of that is present. None okay. of that. Alternate
1: theory: she has it all on vinyl, and he got her the CD so she could play it in the
3: car
0: even more insulting
3: uh, uh. <laughs> might be worse it's it's a solid altern- alternate theory and I thought about that too like okay well maybe maybe she had it back in the day but then it's playing when they're talking about it because there are like two Joni Mitchell songs in this movie right yeah. so they have the conversation about it it's playing in the background and then flash forward and he's getting her this cd like it, cds don't exist it's 2003 people cds are on a new thing They're not a newfangled invention. She doesn't have it on Laserdisc. Only. (laughs) I can't get over it. It's the one part of this movie that I truly can't get over, both because that situation is so frustrating and awful. And Emma Thompson is just like a queen. She's a queen. How could you? And also, it makes no sense.
1: Yeah, maybe it just is as simple as he's a shitty husband all around. He doesn't even know what yeah. CDs she owns. But I do like, as much as it's frustrating, I think that's my favorite storyline. Just because Emma Thompson is so good and so heartbreaking. Okay. Like, I love yeah. her. When she's yeah, like crying, it. listening to Joni Mitchell, then like, pulls herself together to go back in. I'm like, that is acting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. it's Alan Rick like he may be the worst husband ever and the biggest asshole but it's still alan rickman so like can't cut him from the film either
3: well just just so that we're clear though alan rickman truly is our greatest christmas villain because i think between this and Die diehard oh, we, wow, yeah. we have to establish him as like the villain of christmas shift over grinch it's alan rickman he's the worst He's super sad, but Alan Rickman hates Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Alan Rickman is here to ruin your Christmas.
0: Yes. Maybe he loves Christmas, but he just loves to ruin your Christmas.
3: Exactly. Exactly.
4: I'm also annoyed at how ugly the gold necklace that he buys is.
1: (laughs) It's so ugly. Oh, I forgot. He's just just
0: a shitty lover in general.
1: If we are still cutting things from the movie, we can cut Mr. Bean's cameo at
3: the jewelry counter. (laughs) (laughs) What about that? That was so random. (laughs) I speaking think what of it things is, though, I hate this movie. I, I think it there's so many things to dislike. I think what it is its it's got to be some kind of like contractual thing like did the BBC like partially pay for it and there's something like grandfathered in that says you have, you have to, to have Mr. Bean <laughs> at least five minutes of your movie or it won't get produced. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: Yeah maybe he's like a cultural liaison from like the United Nations for the UK.
4: I just and like, <laughs> what annoyed me about the cameo is it's not so much that it is Mr. Bean, that's fine. He's allowed to have other acting jobs because they're clearly going for the like oh it's so funny, it's a little Mr. Bean bit and it's like no, we don't need that. We don't need that in this movie. And there's like tense music cuz he's like yeah. waiting, he doesn't want to get caught and it's like <laughs> really are
3: we in we're in like a physical comedy gag now?
0: <laughs> yeah, let's have another tonal shift here. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. An abrupt one. This movie is two hours and fifteen minutes long. It's ridiculous. <laughs> very long.
0: Well, there's it's longer no than a Marvel movie. Right?
3: <laughs> it is long. It is a saga. And it doesn't need to be as long as it is. There's so many things that you could trim from this. Well, I think we've already
2: cut like 75% on the we're not even like halfway done with this call. <laughs>
3: yeah, I know. I, I really have a theory that it endures because people like to have shit on in the background when they're wrapping presents. And you can kind of have it on in like an ambient way and not really pay attention to the parts that you don't like. And
4: I will say yeah. that's how I watched it this morning. I was like, oh, I really should rewatch this to refresh my memory. But yeah. I was like doing errands, doing chores around the yeah. house.
3: <laughs> Same. I fast forwarded through a lot of yeah. things. Mr. Bean Same. included. I
2: feel like when you're watching things ambiently, you want them to be, like, funny. This is not a funny movie. It's not a happy movie. It's actually, like, a very depressing movie. Do people watch depressing things ambiently?
3: (laughs) Well, it's depressing if you're watching it, if you're paying attention to it. But if you use it as kind of like a wallpaper, it's just pretty British Christmas and chimes and sleigh bells and all that bullshit. Yeah, you just, like, check out for a while. You come back in for the Mariah Carey sing-along. Yes! (laughs) You come back in for the Mariah Carey sing-along, you just rejoin at the Christmas pageant, and you pretend that the last two hours didn't happen.
2: Speaking of, back to soundtracks, Ryan's going to be really happy. The <laughs> only time that um, All I Want for Christmas is on a soundtrack since Mariah Carey was born, and it's not Mariah Carey singing it. <laughs> is that huh, true? What? Yeah. It's uh, credited to the actress who plays that like okay. teenager, like younger than teenage girl, who's is actually like a singer and was voted off of Celebrity X Factor. Apparently,
0: Olivia huh. Olson.
2: Yeah.
4: Well, she was great.
2: Yes. So she is a singer, and it is credited to her. It is not Mariah Carey. It's like literally the only soundtrack, probably since Mariah Carey was born, to so not it have. Hasn't, that hasn't
3: appeared on any other movie soundtrack ever. That song hasn't been on any other movie soundtracks? It's no, no, no.
2: I'm saying it's the only time that song's
3: been on a soundtrack that isn't sung by Mariah Carey. Oh! Everyone, you
2: just assume that it's Mariah Carey singing All I Want for Christmas because that's just ubiquitous with who sings that song, and it's not. It's Olivia Olson. Surprise.
3: Good for her. Good for her. I read this thing recently that Mariah Carey only listens to her own music, which is very correct. Yeah. Yes. Just high hill. High heels on a treadmill, just listening to her own music. Right now, she's listening.
0: (laughs) Just vibing to her own music.
3: Vibing. (laughs) She probably, like, has this on, this movie, in the background. It's
0: Mm -hmm. like when I do that octave thing with my voice again.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the music in this movie is not, it's not good, per se. I would consider most of it, you know, wallpaper. It's, It's there to make you, to remind you. That it's Christmas. And um, yeah, I mean, nothing's really like that supportive of of the action. I think if you take away the like Joni Mitchell aspect of it, which as Ryan pointed out is like stand in for mature infidelity. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you have left on this soundtrack? The Beach Boys. Oh Talking yeah. Talking about eclectic,
4: are... the Beach Boys oh, are on yeah. here. <laughs> The four seasons? Is it the four seasons that sing that bye bye baby song that's on
0: there? You've got some Dido, some Nora Jones.
3: Oh, the Dido scene. I think Mm -hmm. one of my one of the most hilarious scenes in this movie is like so the dude that's in love with Kira Knightley that has this like unrequited crush on Kira Knightley. Oh. Ridiculous. (laughs) That storyline's ridiculous. But (laughs) My favorite thing is when he shows her the video that he doesn't want her to see because it's a wedding video of, like, nothing but close-ups of her face. It's not creepy at all. (laughs) not weird. Um, She she leaves, and he, like, runs out into the street, his arms flailing. Oh, God. He's pushing people out of the way to, to Dino. (laughs) and it's just like this very early 2000s like dido moment like we were that saturated in dido that that felt like a good choice yeah whatever happened to dido guys such a great question she was huge where is she is she okay like (laughs) anyone checked on dido (laughs) can can somebody google is dido okay (laughs) Ryan's doing it now. Yeah. I'm like, talk amongst yourselves while somebody Googles where Dita is currently. She's
0: still making albums. Okay. 2018.
2: I mean, good for her. Maybe love actually happened to her. Maybe everyone was like so pissed about that moment that it ruined her career.
0: I think it's like (laughs) Nora Jones where she's just kind of on the periphery of culture now, but she probably made enough money on those first couple records or it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, good point. sit on the
2: residuals,
4: Dido. I have to say, before I saw this movie, because I only saw this movie for the first time last year, but I, like, knew that it hadn't aged well, and I think the only storyline that I really knew well, or knew that for sure that was in the movie, was that Andrew lincoln Kira Knightley Mm storyline, and I remember, like, before I watched it last year for the first time, I was assuming that that was, like, the worst of the storylines, because I was like, (laughs) oh, I know this hasn't aged well at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) it was a happier time it was a simpler
3: time (laughs) there's pre-love actually and there's post-love actually yeah you know and that's how you demarcate your life i can't believe you made it
2: that long without seeing it yeah (laughs) yeah
0: Uh, let me also add that the reason that um austin and jen were invited to the podcast is because randomly on twitter austin was like i didn't enjoy john wick and it's the one of the two like universally beloved movies i don't like the other one being love actually and i was like well i would love to hear your thoughts
3: (laughs) we love an unpopular opinion
4: it's one of those movies with john wick and love actually where i'm watching it and i'm like am i watching a different movie than everybody else (laughs) because like i i don't understand it's like i'm living in a different reality
3: (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, people will attack you. They'll they'll like call you hateful and it, like accuse you <laughs> of starting like the war on Christmas because you don't want to watch Love Actually.
4: Our co-host Jackie, I went to a spin class with her one time, and it was like around Christmas time, and the spin instructor started talking about Love Actually, and the whole class was like you know, joking about Love Actually and how they're all going to watch it this season and blah, blah, blah. And then Jackie, and it's our first time at this class. We don't know anyone. And Jackie just, like, gets into an argument with the spin <laughs> instructor.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> As you're spinning, you're, like, yeah, fighting much. about Love Actually.
3: <laughs> Angrily spinning. Yeah, fuck this movie. Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. That's so we could never point. come back here. <laughs> We're banned. We're banned. spin. <laughs>
1: The spin instructor just puts on the love actually soundtrack to troll you guys.
3: (laughs) Christmas is all
1: over. All right. Downhill.
3: (laughs) That's amazing. Ryan's so mad right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and I think, I think everybody, whether you've, I think everybody, whether you've seen Love Actually, or whether it's just been on like the periphery of pop culture for you, everybody knows that Kira Knightley storyline, because it's been parodied so many times. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think people like fail to really consider like when he comes to her door and says like, just pretend it's Christmas Carol, lie to your husband, I'm going to do yeah. this creepy thing with these cards, I'm going to tell you that I'm like, hopelessly in love with you. You really think that like, okay, well, that's, it's weird. I hope that this is done. And then at the end of the movie, when they're all like coming together again over the Beach Boys, like God only knows what I'd be without you. They're still friends and he's going on vacation with them. Yeah. That's like, a good point. Mad third wheeling it. Because I always
1: assume after that scene happens, Kira Knightley goes back in, shuts the door and goes to her husband and goes like, okay, you are not going to believe what just happened. <laughs> Listen. Your friend is weird. <laughs> like she definitely has to have told her husband about the video thing because they don't have a wedding video now. Yeah. So she's going to him and being like, well, I went to go look, but he just had shots of my face and nothing else. So I <laughs> think we made a restraining order against your best friend. <laughs> For
2: real.
0: Yeah. I don't think that guy's your best friend. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, no. puts her in such. I mean, like, never mind like his actions toward his like quote unquote, best friend, but puts her in such a terrible situation by like telling her that. like she doesn't need to know. And then straight up saying, like, lie to your husband about like, who's out here. like, yeah. It's a really terrible, like, shitty asshole thing to do. It's
3: a dick move, and the fact that he continues to be in their lives with now that mm-hmm. he's, like, dropped this bombshell is really freaking weird, and I think gets him off the hook way too easily.
0: I hope there's a deleted scene where the husband goes over to his house and, like, opens a closet door and finds all the poster boards, and he's like, what the fuck <laughs> is this, <man?"
3: laughs> Oh, it's for my science project. I don't know where those were. I'm just going to turn them around and...
1: Yeah, do you think he had an alternate plan in case the husband opened the door? Like, he's standing right there with the boombox and all the cards, and he's just like, uh... Or Can what you if pretend hey, it's carolers? Yeah, or what if the husband really likes carolers? Yes! Right? He
2: likes carolers, right? Like, he's just not going to get up and, like, walk right.
1: over Oh, it's carolers, Karen. Knightley! Let me come see! <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Maybe they know that the husband hates carolers because it is the best friends. Maybe he's like his parents were killed by carolers, so I know he won't come
2: to the (laughs) door.
0: It's
1: all fair.
2: Fair. (laughs) The best friend should know how he feels about carolers. Your earlier point, he could have just a opened the door, b walked through the hallway to like get some like cocoa or something, or just like any Um, other scenario. (laughs) He also just
3: could have invited her over. I mean, yep. clearly she knows where he lives, and she, I don't know. They could have had a, a real conversation. It's not
4: like they never see each other. Like, they're yeah. in each other's lives. Yeah. yeah. I also just want to point out that I was very distracted by Kira Knightley's age in this movie, so I did a little Googling. So, Andrew Lincoln was 30 when this movie came out. So Kira Knightley was 18. <gasps> she was... The age difference is smaller between her and the little kid <laughs> who was only 13. There was only a five year age difference there versus the 12 year age difference between her and Andrew Lincoln. Ugh.
2: Yes. I wish I didn't know this. <laughs> she was only like 16 in the first like Pirates of the Caribbean movie.
1: Yeah, she's one of those people where I think just because she's been around for so long, I don't realize how young she was in those where I'm like, oh, no, mm-hmm. you were like a teenager here. I'm like, oh, she's yeah. just been an adult forever. She's probably the same age as me. Like, what? <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. That is it's really terrible to think about, like, that she was a child bride. Yeah. yeah. Their, their wedding scene is kind of like weirdly unsettling, too, where they... Yeah where they play the, like, all you need is love, and they're, they're like, up on, like, the church balcony, right? And there's this, like, mm-hmm. this, this is the a cappella moment, Ryan's, where we offend a cappella people. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a cappella, all you need is love happening unexpectedly. And then all of these musicians get up from the pews and stop pulling out trombones. <laughs> Am I supposed to believe she didn't
4: see a bunch of people with trombones yes, sitting right, right? next to her? are not They're not small <laughs> yeah. instruments.
3: Yeah. No. My God, I was like, where are you hiding a whole-ass trombone? <laughs>
0: Yeah, the awareness of the people in this film is terrible. Like, yeah. oh, there's carolers out here, so don't come by. Okay. <laughs> oh, those uh, those trumpet players walking by? That's not for our wedding. That's for, like, something else.
1: Right. That saxophone? It's not,
3: yeah. That's not for us. It's not for you.
1: Yeah, don't and their wedding, like, is fairly sparse. Like, the pews are not packed. You know what I mean? So you think she would <laughs> right? notice that there's a 20, 30 people there that she's never seen before in her life. And I mean, seems, in like, my half of- Sorry, Sorry, in my
4: mind, I assumed they were like her friends, but yeah, no, that makes more sense that they would be hired musicians.
0: Why did she go to band camp? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, well, cause it was
2: like 25% of the audience, like you know to what? your point. There weren't a lot yeah. of people there, yeah. and like a lot of people, them a lot of them stood up to <laughs> yeah. play the music. So it's like, did you only
1: invite 30 people to your wedding and then 10 of them? Or like 10 more people were musicians? I like Austin's theory because we don't really know anything about Kira Knightley. So maybe she is a musician and those are her musician friends and Andrew Lincoln just got them to do this.
3: Another fair point. We know so little about so many of the women in this movie. (laughs) All the women in this movie are like projections. Like they're just being projected on. They're not like fully formed characters really, right? You, You only know them like through the lens of what the dudes in this movie want. Mm-hmm. And that is super disappointing and super frustrating. Sorry, I do not not to get all, like, feminist critique on love no. action. Who the fuck cares? It's 2003, right? A lot of bad things were happening. The Low-rise jeans and Von Dutch and shit. Oh, so we had bigger problems. But <laughs> it's very frustrating to see that you don't get, like, fully realized female characters in this movie. It just it just does not pass the test. And I want it to be better and be more because you can see that there are some storylines that that could have been more and like you said emma thompson sells the crap out of this mm-hmm. He is so much better than this movie but they don't really let her be better than this movie because once again at the end at that damn airport they are still together i'm fine no you're not emma thompson you're not
1: yeah i think <laughs> um Emma Thompson and Laura Linney are the two who have like oh, the most characterization. So I feel yeah. like they're the most like fully formed, but they're also the most like sad storylines. Neither of them get anything happy. Sad. Yeah, I about that this one.
3: Laura Linney storyline, like does it make you feel as depressed as me? Yes. You feel- yeah. Why is, is fucker a Christmas the hot movie? guy? Just let her fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Slap that ass, Laura Linney. <laughs> yeah, I let her like she's it's that it, that may be if if the Alan Rickman Emma Thompson infidelity storyline is the most frustrating, that one is a very close second because that it's she really deserves that and I see no reason why she can't get some help with you know the, I get it right like she feels like she has to be there all the time for her brother. I get that right but it is not a happy ending for her like. That's not fair. That's yeah, I don't think the
2: Ellen Rickman line was necessarily frustrating so much as just anger-inducing because he's such an asshole. But like the Laura Linney one is like very frustrating because it's such yeah. should be a non-issue, right? Yeah. Like he's not kind of a stranger. He knows her. He's worked with her for forever, so he knows what she's struggling with. And like if he really cared about her, he'd be like helping her through this and not just be like so narcissistic that it's like oh this thing you've been struggling with with like for years you're suddenly just going to, like, let go of because I'm, like, partially naked in front of you? Like, come on. I, I would have let go of it. Well, honestly, <laughs> though, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. have. I'm not, not saying she shouldn't have. She should have. But I'm just saying, he's seen her struggles. So, like, it's not, it yeah. shouldn't be, like, a surprise. Like, A, she should have, like, not answered the phone. B, he should not have, like, stormed out there, like, be, like, narcissistic asshole that he is. Like, come on. It's a non-issue. It should have been, like, totally fine. That should have had a happy resolution. They should have moved past it.
0: But this movie hates women.
3: It really does. <laughs> it also hates. Not, love. It doesn't want women to have nice things.
2: No, it hates. It hates Christmas. It hates women. It hates love. It hates all the things.
3: I feel attacked when I watch it, and I definitely <laughs> watch that scene. And I'm always like, it's like a horror movie. I'm like, don't pick up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> don't pick up the phone, Laura Linney. But she does it every time, and it's it's very mm-hmm. it's tough. It's tough to see. Because yep. it does seem so easily solved. So to your point, yes. right, it's like mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it should be an insurmountable problem. You can mount that, <laughs> but no, she's got to basically like martyr herself for her, mm-hmm. for her yeah. brother. Yeah, yeah. That's just it's a that's a that's a bad insidious message. I feel like that just is one of the worst ones in the movie for sure. Yeah, for sure. Very very sad.
0: Yeah, it's a movie where it lacks a lot of like real world logic.
1: yeah i think it comes from the fact that it is like so many storylines and like they're Mm -hmm. so condensed whereas if you had more time with some of these people it could really like make a lot more sense you could work things out you could see like laura linney and that guy maybe this isn't the first time this has happened maybe he's tired Mm -hmm. of waiting around for her but because we only have like a couple minutes with them it just seems very like all right like just fuck him tomorrow like what's going on here (laughs) it's not like None of these stories
4: have any remotely interesting things like there are some interesting threads that like would be good to go into and delve into like I'd like to know more about Emma Thompson and like their situation or even the Laura Linney, you know, like, it's just so frustrating the surface level makes it too much too
3: much. It's unsatisfying ultimately, yeah. and it's not because the Indians aren't happy. It's because, like Ryan said, they don't follow any kind of logic, so you're just left holding up your hands. Like, what the fuck just happened? That did not need to happen at all, and that makes no sense.
4: You know what else doesn't make sense? Is a kid rushing security at the airport right after 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I think there are two different buckets. There are the practical lack of logic moments of, like, the whole carolers thing. We're going to believe that he believes that and that the dude didn't have a plan B for, like, if the husband opened the door instead of Kira Knightley. And then the whole kid rushing, like, airport security after 9-11. Like, those things are, like, small but unforgivable because it's just, like, really, you didn't, like, even think this through. But in terms of, like, the humans making illogical, like, choices... That I do forgive because humans often do make really stupid illogical choices. So for me, that is one of the realistic things about the movie is like that Laura Linney like storyline, like being so frustrating, like me logically sitting here saying like that should have been a non-issue and they should have been able to work through it. But probably 85% of the time, real humans would not have worked through that. So like those frustrating storylines, I feel like are frustrating in an authentic way. The, like, carolers and, like, airport security stuff, that's just being lazy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, like, it's so many different movies. We've talked about, like, the tonal inconsistency, mm-hmm. and I think that really jars me, too, is it, it you're you're working with this, like, you know, buffoonish, like, comedy when you get to all the the Hugh Grant being prime minister stuff. Yes. Like, it's just so <laughs> over the top. And then you drop into this Laura Lenny storyline, and you're like, well, that is... We've gone from... I don't even know. We've gone from like Mr. Bean to like a lifetime movie in a matter of 10 minutes, and I'm not ready for this. I feel seasick.
2: To play Devil's Advocate, I don't know if because it is a UK movie, they meant for the Hugh Grant thing to be taken as a comedy and to be that unrealistic or Billy Bob Thornton as president.
3: <laughs> they, ha- they, have, they have Hugh Grant dancing around to like, might as well jump. This, i don't like, know he's
2: like a british darling and the director has like pretty much exclusively worked with hugh grant so i don't know that that was meant as comedy and i think as we said before billy bob thornton we are all american billy bob thornton so like that was just meant very seriously that was an american portrayal of our president i
3: think <laughs> I also want to ask our canadian friends oh, yes. if it's just me or if hugh grant is giving some like trudeau vibes
1: ah I don't know I don't know about Trudeau vibes but um, (laughs) I do think that scene is definitely like almost like british wish fulfillments because they're sort of like Mm. what if we had a really handsome charming prime minister who stood up to the americans that are dragging us into the iraq war and stuff like that yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so it is boris johnson like i don't think it's meant to be realistic but i do think it's them just being like oh my god what if we had this amazing superhero prime minister right now i would love that so i don't so it's—I don't know if it's meant to be a joke, but it's also not meant to be serious.
3: You know what I mean? Wish fulfillment is the word because that's what I get out of it too. It's very much like what if the Revolutionary War went our way?
4: <laughs> I will say the Hugh Grant uh, stuff frustrates me because I'm—I think of all of them, like I dislike that storyline the most just because I'm so mad at the way they treat Natalie. Yeah, <clears throat> but then I hit ha- then I get frustrated at myself because Hugh Grant does something and I'm like god damn it Hugh Grant why are you so charming and like <laughs> he wins me over and then I hate myself for it
3: <laughs> yep that's what it is it's the Emma Thompson principle right yeah. Where there are some actors that are so like full of charm and you like them so much that it it like it it overcomes like all of the really bad storytelling like it really elevates the material because they're likable I don't know. Like, back to this movie, though. Like, I don't know what the contribution here is to like the soundtracks. You know, like, is the contribution really just because um, I don't think like somebody said you wouldn't listen to this as a standalone soundtrack, right? Nobody's putting nope. this on. I hope no, absolutely playing it not. on
1: repeat every day. I can't believe it. <laughs> right? Like, who? Who? Spotify Wrapped has
3: <laughs> like as their top thing <laughs> the Love Actually soundtrack. I don't want to meet that person.
2: It's not even all like Christmas songs, so it's not mm-hmm. like you could be like, "Oh, I don't want to listen to like traditional Christmas songs during Christmas." I'm gonna listen to these like
3: weird ass like Love Actually ones. It's not even yeah, that. I'm listen it's to Dido,
0: pretty- <laughs> right?
3: Yeah, and this also it's a very it's a very bad time capsule of this like early two thousands. Like it's got Justin Timberlake yeah. on it, "Smooth" by Santana yes. is on the soundtrack. You guys,
0: <laughs> the calling,
2: yeah that one I was like I forgot about them that's right that
3: was a song (laughs) I mean that's just that that's egregious I don't think (laughs) that we want to revisit that period of time on on like a musical level I, I almost wish it had more aggressive and more Christmas forward music so that I didn't have to listen to like 2000's Justin Timberlake yeah, and
4: like World Five. It it also bothered me that there's like a surprising amount of diegetic music in this. So like they are listening to music in the movie a fair yeah. amount. And like there was one point at the when was it? I wrote a note. At the art show when Laura Linney and the hot guy from work go for a dance and it's like the fa- is that the Justin Timberlake song? I forget what's playing at that yeah, point. Yeah. At the party. Yeah, but then it stops midway through the song and goes to a slow song. And I'm like, that's not how that works. <laughs>
2: like, they're not going to change the song in the middle of the song. The DJ saw them and was like, this is their moment. Yeah. I'm going to make this romance, like romantic storyline happen. And they switched it right then. Even
1: the DJ was pissed. They weren't doing it. Someone at the beginning of the party <laughs> slipped the DJ five bucks, was like, if you see them on the dance floor, you've got to get a slow song. Stop whatever you're doing.
0: That's the lack of logic in the film that bugs me.
2: Yeah. It's not the lack of logic, it's just the laziness. Like it wasn't oh, the same thing. Like
4: it could have been <laughs> at the end of the song, right? Like it, they could have yeah. still done that joke. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah. Back to like for the soundtrack, no one wants to listen to this as a soundtrack. It has like no justification for existing, let alone being platinum <laughs> in multiple countries. Except for Christmas is all around. It only needed to be a single.
3: <laughs> yeah. And, but even Christmas is all around like you're not listening to it. I hope you're not Brandis in your closet right now doing this podcast. I hope you're not listening to it for genuine enjoyment. I hope you're like listening to it ironically or you're like kicking it on the Christmas party playlist or something but you're not like that's my no, no no no.
2: It's like the best ironic like Christmas song ever. So it's like yeah if you're throwing a Christmas party this has to be on the
3: playlist. Like It's just, like, it's a moment.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a good way to make sure people are paying attention.
3: (laughs) Yeah, right? I mean, other than, like, traditional Christmas things from, like, the Christmas pageant and, like, little, you know, whatever, carols and and stuff. Like, are there any Christmas songs in this movie? I think there might be one on this. White Christmas is in there. Yeah, White Christmas. Okay. I mean, that might be the one song that I would independently be, like, well, that's nice to listen to.
2: See, I... It's different for me because I actually don't like Christmas music, which is why I
3: like the ironic option of a wow. Christmas song. <laughs> well, this is best. I, I, You love this Christmas movie, but you won't listen to Christmas music? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Hate it.
0: So the guy who scored the movie, his name is Craig Armstrong. And originally, I just figured he was just some random guy in the UK, but he was nominated for his score <laughs> for Ray. Yeah. Wow, And he's actually scored a couple of soundtracks that we've covered on this podcast, and we never <laughs> brought them up. So he did the score for Moulin Rouge. Oh,
1: really?
0: <laughs> and for Romeo and Juliet.
1: Craig! Oh, not a fan of this guy. Craig! <laughs> I was going
4: to say, like, even the the, like, the instrumental score of this movie is so boring. Like, I know yeah. that it's a rom-com, and they're not known for, like, exciting scores, but there's, like, nothing going on it instrumentally.
3: Is. Lazy. It's so lazy. The only part where, like, you even register is part where (laughs) Prime Minister Hugh Grant stands up to President Billy Bob Thornton. There's that very swelling, like, like moment of, like, (laughs) yeah, kicking America's ass with words. Yeah. And it's just so over the top. It's so lazy and hacky and bad. It's bad. I'm sorry, Craig. You're not (laughs) listening to this, Craig. He might. We don't know. You're going to get hate now. Maybe we're breaking <laughs> time. Add it to right. the pile.
0: <laughs> so there's a UK and a US version of the soundtrack. The UK soundtrack has three songs from Craig Armstrong's score, and the US version only has one. Huh. So they really just kind of um, watered things down for us in the States, <laughs> and I guess Canada as well. But I'm glad we don't have Jump by Girls around on our soundtrack. <laughs> Not that Not I would listen to the soundtrack anyways, but...
2: Yeah. <laughs> the one that's missing? I was like, because there's tw- there are 20 on the UK and 17 on ours, but I knew that only two the Craig Armstrongs were missing and I was trying to figure out what was like that other one.
0: It's Jump by Girls Aloud. That's it, what it is.
3: You know, if this really begs the question though, if there's an alternate soundtrack that got released in the UK, like what's the level of popularity of this movie in the UK? Do they find it equally charming as people in like the States, for example, or are we just like a British people? They're scones, they teas. <laughs> like, is it popular there too? Is it also considered sort of a Christmas favorite? That's a good question. Yeah. Let's ask Dido. I'm going to Google it while I'm Googling Dido, Okay. <laughs>
0: It actually did better in the UK than it did in the states.
1: Yeah, but I think that's also because it's such like an all-star cast, like of UK actors. There was probably like, like you said, in America, Hugh Grant was probably the big draw of who everyone knew. But for them, they would have been like, I know everyone in this movie; they're all fantastic.
3: That is a super great point. They did kind of gear it towards a more British public with the actors that they chose, with like that that league of British actors.
0: They did very well at the Baftas. (laughs) Did they really? yeah
3: (laughs) yeah of course it's the BAFTAs it's it's a serious film
0: (laughs) Bill Nighy won for best actor in a supporting role
3: did he actually is that true that is amazing BAFTA
1: for this movie fuck yes I'm so excited about that yeah (laughs) he did a great job yeah he's delightful in this he earned that BAFTA yeah
0: but
3: like a BAFTA like what, (laughs) what else came out that year
0: clearly not much nothing
3: I don't know. Like, Emma Thompson I really was nominated,
0: her. but Bill Nye won.
3: That's All right. I can't verify this this from eight days ago, but I did Google it and there's a headline that I found that says Data Reveals that Love Actually is the UK's favorite Christmas movie. And because favorite is spelled with a U, oh, accurate. Which is the correct way to spell favorite. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, okay. that's, <laughs> that's, that's how I know though that this is legit and this is not written, you know, by somebody from America. <laughs>
0: Nicole's Billy Bob Thornton is showing.
3: Yeah. I, I am Billy Bob Thornton in this scenario. There it is, guys. I don't know if you can see it.
4: <laughs> I also made a note at one point that I thought the best part of this movie is where the scene from Titanic plays and that the score is, my heart will go on. I was like, oh, this two seconds, that's the best part of this movie because it's another movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Although twice you guys have referred to this as a romantic comedy and I don't think that it's deserving of like that. Or is that genre at all? Like, I would never classify this as a rom-com. What is it,
3: Brandis? I think it's a drama. I think it's a mess.
0: (laughs) I think it is a farce.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I wish farce was like a genre, like on like Netflix or something like that.
0: (laughs) I know that we're not supposed to trust Wikipedia, but it says Love Actually is a 2003 Christmas-themed romantic comedy film.
2: Oh, bomb! That means nothing.
0: So take it up with Wikipedia.
1: <laughs> He's going to go in tonight gonna... and edit it. <laughs> That's it. Brandis is in, in there. Mean, excuse the me while like, I log in. This is not <laughs> a
2: rom com. Like, not, nope. Mm-mm.
0: Every review from 2003 about the movie calls it a romantic comedy.
2: <laughs> That's also lazy. The reviewers are as lazy as the people who made the movie.
0: We're going to get so much hate mail. I can't <laughs>
3: believe it First of all, I just can't believe how hard Brandis is batting for this movie. I was not answering. I am not
2: even batting hard for this movie. At no point did I say that it was great. At no point did I say that it was my favorite. At no point did I say that I watch it all the time because I actually don't. I have said it's not deserving of all the hate that it gets.
3: But do you Some watch nerd. it every year? Do you think about Christmas and you're like, you know what? It's time. Cue it up. I watch it maybe every fourth Christmas. What a kind of...
1: <laughs> what love Actually logic is that? Anytime every there's time. an Olympics, she has to watch Love Actually every four years. I'm not saying it has
2: to be watched every fourth Christmas. <laughs> I'm saying one, it averages out to every fourth Christmas. What I do watch every Christmas is Home Alone. I mean, come on. Home Alone 1 and 2 are the quintessential best Christmas movies ever. You have to watch it. That's what I watch. And then if time permits, maybe I'll get around to Love Actually. <laughs> if time permits... <laughs> i've got better things to do than to watch movies at christmas time but i do make time for home alone one and two
0: i'd like to edit that statement i got better things to do than to watch love actually
2: (laughs) that's not what i said you do not have permission to censor or alter my words
3: (laughs) i just love that every four years like yeah right coinciding with the Olympics. there's also like a ski jump happening with the winter olympics specifically yeah Right, of course. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) curling. I want to watch curling, and I want to watch Love Actually. That's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's just ridiculous thing to say. What
0: exactly during the Olympics is that trigger? (laughs) Is it like when they light the torch? It's like, oh, it's Love Actually time.
2: (laughs) That's what I thought the torch lighting was for. I thought that that was to like time
1: to watch
3: Love Actually. (laughs) Right, when a British British person wins a a medal, (laughs) there we go.
0: I I wish the Beach Boys weren't on there because I really like that song.
3: (laughs) You know what that song is linked to me, linked for me with though is um, because it used to be the the theme song for that Um, about Big big Love. Big Love, yes, Big Love. So it used to be the theme song on Big Love, and so when it when it ends that way, I'm like, are we gonna get into like a Big Love scenario with (laughs) Kira Knightley and her like two husbands? that's how that storyline should have gone that's how it should have gone like just go full poly guys just talk about it yeah
2: introducing the thripple like it's
3: great yeah
0: yeah and then you don't have to worry about the carolers
3: maybe that's why he was going on vacation with
1: them at the end they just left out why you think it's a third wheel but no like he's a part of the couple now
3: I I like this actually yeah. it was much more fun for me to consider yeah they're going to like uh, one of those like adult club meds or yes. whatever. <laughs> yeah
0: I didn't realize we were going to do Love Actually fan fiction on this podcast.
4: <laughs> <laughs> this movie doesn't give you enough to not do that, though. Because yeah. if you think critically about it for like two seconds, everything falls apart. So I feel like we need we need these like extra layers. We need this fan fiction.
2: It's true. There's not enough there to say that that wasn't what they were intending. Exactly. Like, for all we know, that is what they were like saying, but they just didn't want to explicitly go out there and say
3: it. I, I do have to say, though, like, I'm shocked that there's no Love Actually too. Love
1: Actually? <laughs> Love Actually?
0: I think they did something for Red Nose Day like five years ago.
3: Okay, hmm.
0: but I didn't watch it. It's just in the in the notes.
3: I did get served an ad. Thanks, to everyone here that I'm doing this with. I did get served an ad for Love Actually Live. <gasps> oh God!
2: No, is it a musical? Where? So I.
3: I I I think I immediately like dropped my phone like it was on fire because it's never something that I want to see. But I think it might be one of those like, uh, like musical live events that they have on like, you know, NBC. I'm looking this up right now. But they usually
0: only do musicals for the musical live events. Not a movie that's not a musical. Or is it like
4: a
2: Rocky Horror picture show type situation? It is is an
1: immersive musical. Hold on.
2: This could be amazing as a musical for something to, like, ironically hate watch. Like, I have to see this now. Okay.
0: Every four years.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So is it a stage production? It looks like... Okay. I'm going to read from the website. You'll follow an all-star cast of singers as they reimagine the film's hit soundtrack while accompanied by a 15-piece orchestra. Iconic you sing along to the songs and iconic scenes from the film will be displayed on traveling screens throughout the set. So it's like live people performing the music while scenes from the movie play. Iconic soundtrack. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it did go platinum in two countries. Like I guess so. Ticket start at forty-five dollars, guys. Let's sign up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I field trip? you guys yeah. want to fly down? <laughs> <laughs> i i'm looking at ryan's face as we record this and i think i just saw his soul leave his body yeah, he's <laughs> so unimpressed <laughs> he is so upset at the notion this
0: better not show up at the hollywood bowl this better <laughs> not replace sound of music at the bowl
3: what are you singing along to what what right. are people- yeah what-
0: other than christmas is all around what do you want to sing along yeah, to? yeah that's, that's all, all i work. want
1: for christmas is you like i don't know okay that's that's two White got- Christmas tree. But I really genuinely think you guys need to go. You need to do a live show, record from the Love Actually Live, and just let
3: us know how it is. <laughs> I mean, how it is is that some of us might not make it.
2: <laughs> I am one hundred percent down to hate watch and I love irony. Ryan, not so much.
0: <laughs> um, I'm calling out sick that day. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I feel sad for everyone involved in this—the people attending, the orchestra that has to back this up. All of this just seems. Why
2: right. so you don't know that they're not intending it for it to be ironic? They could be. It could be a lot thing.
3: You don't know. Oh man, it could be great. <laughs> Pitch here's here's a little blurb. Here's a little blurb review. Pitch Perfect. Such a celebration of love, the holidays, and the movie itself that it's hard to not fall in love. Actually, <laughs> Entertainment Weekly.
2: Wait, I thought you were talking about Pitch Perfect. I'm so confused. What?
3: <laughs> I, this is this is like a blurb reviewing the stage show of Love Actually Live, and the they thing. actually went there and said like, it's hard not to fall in love, comma actually. I hate it so much.
0: Oh, that wasn't Peter Travers? That sounds like a Peter Travers thing.
3: (laughs) Peter Travers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're not. I'm not going to this. You guys are no fun. Yeah, I like how we just spent an hour talking about how this soundtrack has no redeeming value and no one would listen to it independent of the movie. (laughs) And there's a whole stage production set up around this premise. Yeah.
1: Cool. So maybe awesome. we're in the minority of not liking the soundtrack. People, I guess, love it enough to go see it performed live.
3: If somebody tell us, you know, like I, I genuinely want to understand. Help me. Understand. It went
2: platinum in Australia and two times platinum in the United Kingdom. Wow. Yet, ironically, the, the performance is in the US, so I can't explain that part. <laughs>
0: i mean when i look at the soundtrack i go yep this movie's not for me
1: (laughs) what
2: What? if the movie was about someone who has really bad taste in music though then you would be completely misjudging the movie by its soundtrack because that's the point you're like still don't care
3: I'm like, again, you're trying to make this movie into something way deeper than it is. You no, no, no. I don't,
2: mean, I don't mean Love Actually. Nothing to do with Love Actually. He just said if I looked at the soundtrack, then I would like not watch the movie because I hate the soundtrack. But I'm like, what if that's like the point of the movie is this poor soul who has really t- bad taste in music?
0: Shouldn't the arc of the movie be they learn to like better music?
2: <laughs> <laughs> the that's a nice. sequel. Yeah. But that would only be 25% of the soundtrack
0: like it should get good at some point right
2: you said you love that beach boys song
0: yeah but i know that it's used everywhere it's used for polygamy as well i'm not i'm not pimping out polygamy
3: <laughs> That's the second greatest thing you've ever said on this podcast <laughs> not pimping out polygamy
0: well i think we've covered that soundtrack pretty well Except for the sequel to this episode where Brandis goes to the live taping.
2: (laughs) All by
1: myself.
0: (laughs) I mean, for Love Actually, that's how it should be just like a bunch of people who who are going to go by themselves who love the movie.
1: Ouch. (laughs) Harsh.
2: (laughs) So cruel.
3: Are you alone this Christmas? Maybe suggest the Love Actually live stage show. (laughs)
2: So depressing. Sorry. (laughs) that's equally depressing as the film I think you're uh, probably accurate on that
0: (laughs) thank you I wasn't trying to be mean (laughs) I guess it just happened to be very you just
2: happened to say it right after you said that I was going to be going
0: you're the only you're the only one brave enough to volunteer to go (laughs) take one for the team
2: I just really love hate watching like
3: whatever yeah you're
0: going to hate watch it's different for you
3: ticketed event though it's one thing to hate watch a movie this is a ticketed event you have to go there you have to transport yourself there you have to sit in a seat all right well here's my final thought on love actually as a collection of stories it feels to me so coldly calculated to be all things about Christmas to all people that it's kind of hard to enjoy right it's like let's throw in something for everyone and ultimately just kind of nut out at nothing because none of these storylines really work or wrap up or give the characters their due. It's just a Christmas porridge, a lukewarm (laughs) Christmas porridge. And it's meant to be this big blockbuster film with all of these like famous actors in it, right, as we've talked about. And uh, yeah, that all of them could do a lot better than this.
2: (laughs) I feel like it's meant to be the antithesis to the Christmas movie. And so it's made for people who hate Christmas movies.
3: I don't know.
4: I disagree. I I disagree with that, (laughs) yeah. I feel like there's a lot of genuine Christmas love for this movie. I understand the appeal on a surface level, but I feel like that's how you have to watch this movie. Otherwise, it just, like, breaks you.
3: You have to (laughs) cut your brain all the way off.
0: (laughs) Nicole, before we did the podcast, you texted that your thesis is all women in the movie deserve better. And I responded with, "All of us deserve better than that."
3: <laughs> <laughs> and so, in the spirit of Christmas, go forth and uh, do something other than watch Love Actually. Maybe, unless you're wrapping plush presents because it's two hours and fifteen minutes. So, that's
0: a lot of presents. <laughs> you just want
3: something on while you do that marathon present wrap. Go for it. Then you can watch Die Hard. Make that your background Christmas wrapping movie. It's the Alan Rickman double feature.
0: so thanks Austin and Jen for coming on the podcast
4: thank you for having us
0: I hope I didn't offend you guys with my uh, all my my hatred of love actually
1: (laughs) Jen, are you offended? no, I am not offended I I do feel like some people you guys may be a little too harsh on it it's got flaws but it's not the worst movie I've ever seen so
2: That's a golden bar for reviews. Not the worst movie I've ever seen.
1: (laughs) Maybe I'll start watching it every four years with the Olympics. I don't know. (laughs) I hear it gets really good by year 12.
2: (laughs) I really hope this becomes a thing. I hope that I've like started something of pop culture.
0: It's like a fine wine. Just need some age. So I Hate Your Taste in Movies comes out every Tuesday. Yes. And you can support... Austin, Jen, and Jackie through Buy Me A Coffee.
2: Yes, we are over there.
0: You can also support us through Buy Me A Coffee. Brandis drinks lots of coffee.
2: A lot. I have an expensive habit.
0: (laughs) Uh, Subscribe rate and review this podcast and check out I Hate Your Taste in Movies. Thank you so much. And hopefully uh, we'll have you guys on again next year.
3: Happy holidays
0: for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, soundtrackyourlife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple
1: Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out, too.